Like with me sometimes, I always kind of like in the moment, I don't really understand. Like, oh well, like I just got drafted. I'm in the NBA. So I was, you know, I was like, okay, I got drafted. Like, this is cool. But it took me like a day or two to really like process. Like, until I came out here and I was like, wait, hold on. I'm moving to a whole nother city. Now I'm in, I'm wearing the NBA logo, and now I get to literally just play basketball every single day without having like to go to school anymore, having to worry about anything else. I get to just focus on basketball, and I was like, "Yo, this is the perfect life." That was Jalen Noel, and this is Wolves Plus. What a feed, Ricky to Carl Anthony Towns for the dunk. Russell shows off the handle and the shot. Over making things happen. Oh, yes he is! Oh! Shazokoke! May the force be with you! Coast to coast for Obi-Wan Okoge. Jalen, you come from a basketball family, right? Your mom and your dad both played basketball at Clark Atlanta University. That's where they met. So you come from a basketball family. Yeah, and not just coming from a basketball family where they both played. They were both actually really, really good. Like, my mom was um, the defensive defensive stopper. She, I, she was blocking, like, so many – I've seen footage of her blocking some other women, like, worse than I've seen men do. And – my, my my pops, he was more like the offensive player. So, you know, my mom texted me after every game. Um, it was like, yo, your defense was looking great today. It was this, that. Like, she, the offense is cool, but she cares about the defense for sure. She knows what she's talking about. Because she played center, right? She played center. Both both of my parents were, were bigs, which is wild to say because I'm a guard. And my little brother's a guard, too. So I don't know where that came from, but I actually played big when I was when I was like in third from like third to sixth grade. I was a big, which is why I have a good mid range shot, because I was never shooting threes when I was younger. Interesting. Were you yeah. tall for your age? Is that why I you was. were big? I was. I was tall. I was really tall for my age, like growing up until. I mean, I'm probably, you know, I'm tall. Still, I'm a good, decent height in the NBA, but I was always pretty tall. I was like 5'11", going into high school. So, okay. I mean, that's decent size, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Not, not now, read... though. There's, there's too many, like, no. there's too many, like, 6'11", 8th graders in this world now. Yeah. Crazy. Unbelievable. I read that you could dunk a basketball by 7th grade. Is that true? Yeah, I got my I got my first dunk in seventh grade. Um, I was playing CYO at Saint Therese, uh, which is my K through eight school. Um, so I remember my friend who my long a long term friend who goes to Stanford now, Dejon Davis. He ended up getting a steal and dunking it like a play before I did, and. To see the crowd like go wild, I was just like, "Whoa, hold on!" Like, I was like, "That's dope," but I need to get me one too. So, he got a steal, and then passed the ball up to me. 
Um, and I ended up doing a two-hand dunk as my first dunk ever in the game. In and seventh grade? Seventh grade. Wow. Yeah. I have a seventh grader. We're working on left-handed layups. Dunking. That's with two hands in a game. That's incredible. Yeah. I was pumped. I was pumped. I was like, um, and then ever since then, it just, I never stopped dunking. I never stopped. But your mom is always on the defensive side. She's always making sure that you have that side short up. Oh, yeah. She don't care how many points I score. Like, um, you know, she's like, we know everybody knows you can score. Like, you've always been a good scorer. But we got to – you got to lock people up. So, she's on me about that. And if I had a bad defensive game, uh, she don't care if I had, like, 50, 60. She'd be like, you know, good offensive game, but you, you let your guy score way too much. <laughs> Mom's tough. She's tough. Tough. Both my parents, you know. Both. My dad was hard on me on the offensive end. My mom was hard on me on the defensive end, which was a great balance. Yeah, no kidding. Good teachers. Speaking of teachers, your mom is a teacher. Um, your mom's name is Lainey, right? She's a third grade teacher. Yeah. So she's adjusting and adapting to this world of distance learning, just like teachers across America. How much are you sort of checking in on her and aware of what she's going through with the adjustments in her job right now? I'm checking on her all the time, especially because, you know, and, you know, her generation, it's not a lot of, wasn't a lot of technology involved. So I know that that's pretty hard for her. And so I, I know I have to call her and like, you know, be like, Ma, you got to use this button to do this and, and do that. But she's actually been learning pretty fast and picking things up. So, you know, uh, I'm, ha I'm happy, you know, she's, she's come a long way uh, than, than I thought she would, like quicker, you know what I'm saying? Because normally uh, it took me a long time to teach her how to use Instagram and, and Twitter. So. <laughs> eh. But she's not going in front of the class with her head as a cat and she can't figure out how to flip it back. She's not, she's not doing that. No, she's not on that yet. No, 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 no. She, I mean, she just she just has the basics down, so we're going to keep it at that until, you know, and, and if this goes on for a longer period of time, then I'll teach her some cool tricks. But right now, okay. we just keep it simple. Okay. Stick with the basics. Yeah. Well, um, your mom was nice enough to give us some photos of you as a young man, especially in grade school. And tell us a little bit about the student you were, because not only is your mom a third grade teacher, your mom was your third grade teacher. How did that go? <laughs> um, that was that was one of the toughest. That was like one of the toughest years ever because I couldn't get away with anything. Like anything <laughs> I did, it was it was on. Like she knew, like you know, she didn't have to go ask the teacher nobody. Um, I don't even remember what we did for parent-teacher conferences, I feel like, I feel like my dad ended up coming and they just kind of like try to like role play on that or something like that, I feel like. I don't, I don't even remember what happened, but a funny story was, there was a time when, you know, we were lined up and we had to show her uh, these stories that we wrote. And you know me, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, especially, at that age, I was a I was a goof. So at the time, me and my friends were like laughing and joking at the end of the line, 
And um, uh, she just looks at me and she says, you know, when we get home, um, you know you're in trouble, right? In front of everybody, the whole class. And I was like, dang. Um, <laughs> this is, I was like, this is what I feared when I found out she was going to be my teacher. And sure enough, that set me straight, though, that whole year. Yeah. Well, your mom told us Jalen was a very busy young boy. I can recall having to send him to the principal's office once or twice that year so that she could call Mr. Noel and have a talk with Jalen. That's your third grade teacher doing that. That's your mom. I know. You see how she was doing me? That was just like, like, why do you have to do that? Why do you have to call Mr. Noel? Like, don't. Leave him out of this. Like, that was, that was my thing. Leave him out of this. Let him, let him work. Let him chill. Leave, leave, leave Pops out of this. It's tough. Well, your mom said that you did grow into re a really nice, responsible young man and that by eighth grade, you were the MC in your school's talent show and that you wooed the audience. What was this MCing like for you? It was me stepping outside my box, really. Um, I've grown up, I've always been more, more on the silent, silent type, silent side. Um, you know, I'm really reserved, so introverted. And for me to do that, it was just something that uh, at the time I was like, you know, just let me try this, step outside of, of who I am and, and um, let's see how it goes. So I remember getting up there telling a couple of jokes and having it, and everybody was laughing and I was just like, oh hold on, maybe I could be a comedian. Like I don't I probably don't need to probably don't need to play basketball anymore. But you know that that was actually short lived. I just it was it was it was a fun thing to do, but you know, I'm happy I stuck with basketball. Sure. I'm yeah. pretty sure everybody else is too. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to have worked out okay. Your mom mentioned that uh, you were selected to speak at eighth grade graduation as well and that you killed it, and she didn't even think you were nervous. Oh, man. A lot of people say that, um, said that at the time. I actually was always nervous about speaking in front of groups, but, I, but you know, cool, calm, and collected. It's just my personality. So um, I remember actually having to write that whole speech out. It was like three, four pages, and... I did that on top of the schoolwork I did. Like, that wasn't no mm -hmm. grade, no nothing. It was like an extra assignment outside. And I remember being so mad, like, writing it. But, I, but you know, the result was, was great, though. Yeah, you stepped out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and I turned Good out things to can love happen. writing after that. Well, there you go. A blessing in disguise. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I just want to ask you about your dad and the influence that he had on your life. Um, I know that he was a very good basketball player who played in the CBA, and I read had a tryout with the, uh, with the Denver Nuggets as well and made it all the way up until one of the last days of training camp. So legitimately, your dad was a really talented basketball player who went beyond college. Yes, he... It was really actually till the last day of the Denver tryouts, and they cut him for what's his name? It was the guard Robert Robert Parrish. Oh. And 
Okay. You know, say that one more time. Like the Celtics big man, Robert Parrish? Robert Parrish. Yeah, for him. And, you know, but then seeing him play after that, because, uh, you know, I used to go on trips with him all the time. Like, um, it was like these weekend, these weekend trips where he would go with the CBA and and play these games like in Vancouver and in Portland. And I would just go on trips from like three, four, five years old, really young, and just watching him play and watching uh, his teammates play. I was really cool with the teammates. And I was that little kid that during every timeout, um, I was just out shooting. Uh, could barely get the ball to the to the rim though at the time, but uh, you know I was just having my fun and you know they actually always had to kick me off the court because I always was to shoot like that. Mm. You know that time where you know everybody's coming out and you're supposed to go sit back down. You know, yeah. I naturally don't didn't follow those rules, so I was just shooting the whole time and. Um, it was until, like, the fans and all that would be like, yo, we got to get the game started. Like, yo, sit down, <laughs> yeah. sit down. But I was having so much fun that I just didn't care. I was, I was going to get my shots up. Whether, that, whether I was airballing all of them, I didn't care. This was your show. My show. <laughs> Nobody going to take my shine. Your, your dad passed away in 2015 from cancer and you were 15 years old. And I'm just wondering with the influence that he had in your life as a dad and as a basketball player, how do you to this day keep him with you, keep him alive, keep all the things that he taught you with you? How do you manage that when you lose him at 15 and now as an adult? That I know that's not easy, but how do you keep him with you? Yeah. Um... It's, it's not too hard to keep him with me because um, I'm the spitting image of him. I look just like him, talk just like him, you know. So it, it's really, it's not, it's not hard. All I do is look at myself in the mirror and I see him too. And so, and every time I play the game, it's, it's not just for me, but it's for him as well, for my mother, for my little brother, and, you know, just for my family. So, you know, He's just a big reason on why I even play the game and why I continue to excel and are and continuing to excel. So it's really not hard to, to keep him around. I have um, pictures of him in my wallet, pictures of him in my phone, my my screensaver. So I, see him, I still see him every day and, you yeah. know, very spiritual too. So, you know, I still believe he's he's with me. He's with you. He's yeah. with you. Um, you played college ball at Washington, being from Seattle. So you're, you kind of knew you had a fan base. You kind of built that up. People knew who you were in high school. When you went to Washington and became the 
Pac-12 Player of the Year. That was 2019. Jalen Noel is your Player of the Year. First UW guy to get the award since Brandon Roy back in 2006. Third time in the last four years. It was either a freshman or a sophomore that's been able to grab the attention. He's one of two players in the conference to average at least 15 points, three assists, and five rebounds. The other guy was Trace Tinkle. By the way, this is a dude who's shooting better than 50% from the floor and nearly 43% from three. And Jim Peterson has said this on our broadcast before, like Pac-12 player of the year is a big deal. That is a major conference. And anyone who is the player of the year at that level is not just a fringe player. That's a legit basketball player. That is a really big honor. What did that mean to you and that recognition of your game? It was, you know, I don't necessarily play the game for the accolades, but I was really, you know, happy to be acknowledged, um, I must say. Just the hard work I, I put in every single day, the extra hours uh, I put in in the gym, not just not just shooting and, and the physical work I put in, but the mental I put in too. Um, and... You know, it, it, it was great to, to to win that award, especially with all the other great players that were playing in that, that conference as well. So, um, you know, coming out, I, I definitely had a, a different level of confidence. And um, I, didn't, I didn't really care what people said um, or, or, like, the ceilings people tried to put on me um, because I was just like, you know, if I, I'm the player of the year for a reason and – that's all, that's all that really matters. When you were in, in Seattle, whether it was high school or in Washington, I should say, as, as the state, when you were in Washington and you're around that Seattle pro-am scene that Jamal Crawford has made famous, we've all seen tournaments and videos, and how involved were you in just the pro-am scene in Seattle? I was playing, I've been playing pro-am since eighth grade so I'm really? always I'm always playing playing I'm always around Jamal I'm always around around Brandon Roy um Will Conroy who played here for uh, a season or two um I'm around a, a lot of NBA guys and I was around them since I've been since I was young young so for you know I, I basically you know I tell people that I had a cheat code to get here because I was always talking to guys who've been here, and I and I knew the steps that they, and I asked them the steps that they take, and it it was it was like okay, well this should be simple, um, because I have the blueprints on how to do it, and I was always around them. Still am. That pro am scene in Seattle though, that those looks like some of that talent is incredible, and some of the tournaments that would come up because of that, amazing. You know, you know Seattle has so much talent and for anybody who who wants to go you know have some fun watching basketball during the summer highly suggest you pull up to Seattle and watch the pro-am it'll change your life us yes we're you know always competing with the Drew League so us Drew League you know big time players but I I, I would tell you go to pro-am first go to pro-am Jamal Crawford still shaking and baking, I bet. Oh my goodness, yo! <laughs> oh my goodness, he's 
He's different. Amazing player. Amazing yeah. player. He's, he'll be back in the league soon, for sure. He should be. He should be. Yeah. When you decide to enter the NBA draft, you're then drafted in the second round, 43rd pick. What was just that draft night like for you, that realization, that next step, that dreams fulfilled, all of that? What was the draft process like? Well, before that, I'm, I, I would say that it was very, very tiring. I did like, I did 15 workouts. The 15 workouts wow. within the span of 28 days. Should have been, could have been like 17, but I, I rejected like two to go back, like because it was I already worked out for those teams. But no, on draft night it was both, you know it was it was a, you know hugged my family and at at, at first, um, you know some like with me sometimes. I always kind of like in the moment I don't really understand like oh well like I just got drafted I'm in the NBA so I was you know I was like okay I got drafted like this is cool but it took me like a day or two to really like process like until I came out here and I was like wait hold on I'm moving to a whole nother city <laughs> now I'm in I'm wearing the NBA logo and now I get to literally just play basketball every single day without having like to go to school anymore, having to worry about anything else. I guess to just focus on basketball. And I was like, yo, this is the perfect life. It's a good life. And then when that hits you, you're like, okay, let's go. Yeah, great life. Last year in the G League. Jordan McLaughlin up high for the rebound. McLaughlin across the timeline on a back pass for Noel. Set three on the way is good by Jalen. That was a deep three, too. A, a couple steps behind the arc there. The hustle the other Ooh. way, and wow, he just throws a bullet off Jackson's shoulder. Bounce pass ahead for Noel, who flushes it through with two hands. Noel defended by Cody Demps. Demps, the local product from Sac State. Good defense, a better offense. He gets it back. Backdoor feed, Noel lays it in! You averaged 21 points per game, four rebounds, three and a half assists, shot 44% from three, 49% from the field overall. That's a really good season. What do you feel like it was about the team, the style, your teammates, your comfort zone, any of that? Why did you have such a really good, solid, productive season? I'd say it was a, it was a comfort thing. Um... Playing down, I, I play or playing in playing in Iowa. I was one of the primary ball handlers, so you know I, I was able to get in rhythm a lot easier um, when when I was uh, with the Timberwolves last year. I was more you know just sitting like sitting in the corner, just waiting you know to get my shot or you know waiting waiting to get the ball. But down but in Iowa we were. Um, you know, it was a lot more pick and roll at the time. And so I really got to, you know, showcase my skills and, you know, play, play my game a lot more. And when you're now with the Timberwolves and you, you aren't getting as many minutes for now, and we've asked you this a few times this season, you've answered that question on Zoom just about – 
staying ready and trying to make the most of your minutes and all those things, but it really can't be easy to try to find that same sort of rhythm and spark and and come close to these kinds of numbers when really the situation is completely different. Right? That's how do you do that then? How what's the right way to go about it? Well, that that goes back that goes back to how how much I have to mentally prepare to um, understand like okay, maybe today I, I either play or I don't. And just knowing that whenever I get in and, you know, get the chance to, to showcase my skills that I I need to take full advantage of that and not just try to, you know, play my way into things. It's like as soon as I get on the court, all right, you got we gotta start right now. There's no there's no mm. playing into it. There's no finding your rhythm. Like, you no, know, you you gotta find that rhythm. I well, I gotta find that rhythm before I even step on the court. I gotta find that rhythm on the, the baseline and, you know, just kinda like stretching and doing all that beforehand. So it's a lot of mental mental rest before I actually get on the court. How do you work on that mental side? What do you do? Visualize me in situations during uh, during the game, uh, even when I'm not in. Um, just watching certain certain choices that my teammates make, I'm like, okay, that's that that was a solid choice. Or even if it, if it wasn't, like, okay, I if I if I was in that position, I would do this or I would do that, and. Um, that just automatically gets me in the game already. So once that happens, um, you know, when I when I come into the game, I feel like I've already been playing for 12 minutes mentally, not physically though, yeah. but you know, mentally, I'm already there. So it just takes a little minute to get really, you know, warmed up um, after sitting for that time. But once once that body warms up, it's smooth sailing from there. Well, you have been sort of the guy in Iowa, at Washington, in high school, probably with your AAU team. So this being with the Timberwolves Club and trying to figure out your minutes and your place, and that's probably the first time in your career you've ever had to do that. So when have you had to work on that mental side up until this season? Have you ever had to have that mental side until this season in that way? No, not in that way. Never had, um, but that's what actually is making it easier, because uh, being being the leader of all my other teams, like growing up, I had a bigger role. So for me now to go to a lesser lesser role is ten times easier. I could prepare so much easier than what I had to do uh, back in high school when I was playing thirty minutes a game and I had to lead. Uh, the t- the whole team to a state championship, or leading my my college team to the tournament, so makes it is is really easy uh, at this point. It's less of a load. Less of yeah. a load. A few personality things for you before we wrap things up. Off the court, you are a big WWE fan. Why WWE? <laughs> um, 
I don't know. It was it was introduced to me by friends when I was younger, um, and I honestly, to be truthfully honest, I did not like it at first. I was like, like this is like, I'm like this is like weird to just sit here and watch watch dudes fight and for it to you know not even look real. Like I saw it didn't look real when I first watched it, but then as I started watching it again, I'm like, all right. I started getting really involved with the storylines. You know, the yeah. John Cena's, the the Batistas, the Rey Mysterio's, um, the Rocks. The Rock ended up coming back, too. So seeing those, seeing those guys, um, it really got me into it. And then I started playing the video games. And then me and my brother would, you know, be at home and we would reenact some moves and things like that. Do not try that at home, though. Just put that <laughs> out. Do not try that at home, kids. But we would, like, reenact those times. Uh, and, you know, it just became a, a, a slowly but surely love for the entertainment of it. Yeah, that, that is a top-notch entertainment if you can buy into those storylines. And if you've ever been to an event, which I'm pretty sure you have at Target Center and you've sat up close, those guys are incredible athletes. I'm not going to lie to you. I've never been to a WWE event ever. It hurts my heart you've, to say that. You've never been. I've, I've never been, been to five WWE events in person. And I'm not a WWE fan. Yeah, just, just rub it in my face then. I, I feel you. <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. I had to take my kids. Okay, well, I'll tell you. The day you get to go to an event and you sit close enough to really see them, they're incredible athletes. I bet. Would you say they're better athletes than us, though? I would never say that, no. I would say... But they're, they're massively huge human beings. And to be able to be as agile as they are and do the acrobatics and the climb up the ropes and the flip off and the land in the right place, it's incredible. Do you know any wrestlers? Yeah. My kids are not as involved anymore, but... Uh, we had, um, yeah, my son was John Cena for Halloween. My daughter has a Sasha Banks game-worn uh, legit boss brass knuckles. <laughs> I don't want to say anymore. That's it? That's all you know? <laughs> we went through a phase. <laughs> a couple other things for you, okay? Um, you got to throw out first pitch at a Twins game. In 2019, you and Nas and Jarrett Culver. And I watched that back this morning, and you, you didn't bounce it. You kind of looped it in there. It was high and outside to a right-handed hitter, but not a bad form. Did you play any baseball as a kid? No. I did not. So the fact that you say that, uh, maybe the Twins need to, need to call me and, um, you know, because that was like my first throw in, what was I, 19 at the time? 19 years. So, you know, if the Twins want to, you know, call me for like a 10-day contract or whatever, I don't know how they do contracts there. But um, if they want to call me for that, um, you know, I'm willing. You know, I'll you know, practice for like a week. I'll probably learn it really quick. I learn things pretty fast. So if y'all want to call me, um, you know, I know I know the season is is like different from ours, so – I think that that could just work out right sure. there. You know, I'll pitch for them, and then as soon as our season starts, I'll just, you know, quit 
quit the yeah. twins and come back to basketball. Do yeah. something like Michael Jordan did. Yeah. I mean, based on that pitch and the way you just kind of dropped it in there and it was about three feet outside and two feet wide, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're looking up your number right now. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. They called my agent like after that. And I was like, yo, <laughs> we see potential. We see potential in Jaden. Like, we, we could do something. But I declined. I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Maybe, maybe yeah. in a couple years. I think that's wise. I think that's wise. In that situation, though, I, you're an athlete, you're a performer, you're used to being in front of crowds and people, but that's a pitcher's mound in front of a stadium that holds 40-plus thousand. What was that like for you? Were you nervous? No, I was not nervous. I was not nervous. You, you, watched, you watched the pitch, right? Yes, I did. did you, yeah. you saw my face? I was yeah, cool, calm, and collected, right? Yeah. No sweat, hey. no sweat. And I threw that pitch, it was, hey, all I know is after the Twins called me after that, um, you know, <laughs> made, made my head a little big after that. And ever since then, I've been, I've been plotting on maybe, you know, playing with them. Maybe a different team, though. Who knows? Twi twins called, but, you know, there was actually some other teams that called, too. But I'm not going to say. I'm going to just say, I'm going to just, you know point out the twins these other other teams called and all that but yeah I declined them early was one of those teams my son's seventh grade team because that kind of no wow wow no 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 it was all professional teams you know what I'm saying okay. not even okay not even the minor leagues they didn't even they were just like nah you too good to be like if you if you <laughs> played baseball you wouldn't even be in the minor wow. leagues you wouldn't even start start there so Okay, it was a nice pitch. I'll give you that. Not, none of the three of you bounced it. All three of you threw a strike on the fly, and that's impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have been told that you own more than 200 pairs of shoes that you consider yourself a collector. What kind of shoes are we talking about? Just straight sneakers? Yes. And a lot of those sneakers, you would never see anybody else wearing them. I mean, the ones I got on today, I don't know if you can see them. These are, like, ones that everybody has. But a lot of my sneakers are customized, so you, re you really okay. won't see them. You know, I, I, love, I love sneakers that nobody else has. That's kind of, like, my thing. So, you know, they all say my nickname. They all say Big Timer on them. So if you ever, like, are on the, like, Timberwolves page and you see me wearing shoes that uh, not, like, eight times out of ten – uh, if you zoom in, you'll probably be able to see big time on them. So, yes, where I have a big you, collection. Where do you wear these shoes? Well, right now, I wear them probably to the games, and that's it. Because I am, you know, since the pandemic, I haven't been going anywhere. But before that, um, I would go to dinner a lot, and I will wear them – and I'll just, you know, throw some on during dinner. Um, actually, I have, so, like, so many pairs of shoes sometimes that, like, if I take out, like, when I take out the trash, I'll just throw some new pairs on just so I can, like, break them in. Yeah, Seriously? I do that a lot. Okay, super practical. Yeah, throwing a new pair of shoes to take out the trash and, you know what I'm saying, probably throw them around the walk around the block, maybe. Um, yeah. I take long walks in the park. 
that's probably where I wear my shoes too. But I can't do that now. It's like negative 25 every day right. now. Yeah. So as soon as I step outside, my nose, my ears, my whole face hurts. But you're wearing custom shoes like outside. Isn't that a, aren't you supposed to wear your old shoes outside? Then when you get to the dinner, you put on your good shoes and those are like indoor only. See, that's, that's the thing. You know how, you know how kids are when they, when they, when they get shoes and it's kind of like a, uh, you know, I don't take them as serious. I think I stayed in that. Yeah. I think I stayed in that mindset of, you know, I have, a, I, I like shoes, but, um, Sometimes I don't take very good care of them. I just kind of just wear them whenever, like whatever I feel, you know what I'm saying? I don't really dress for the weather. I'm just like, oh, I feel like wearing these shoes today, so I'm going to wear them. I don't look at the weather. It could be three feet of snow. If I feel like wearing a brand new pair of J's, a brand new, you know, pair of my custom Nikes, I'm going to wear them. I don't care. Well, yeah, if you got them, you got to wear them. Got to wear them. Have to. What good are they going to do in your closet? Just sit there and look good, maybe. <laughs> maybe one day, one day I do want to be on, uh, I don't know what that's called. Probably like, I think, they, I watch a lot of like shoe, shoe, shoe um, like on YouTube where they show their shoes and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I want to be on that one day. So Wolves fans, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Jalen's, we got to have a name for it, uh, Jalen's Jumps. I like that. Uh, Something, ha it has to start with a J, though. That would be, that would yeah. be dope. Jalen's, We're going to workshop uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, Jalen's Joggers or something like that. But those are like sweats. But you jog yeah. in shoes, though. So. Now we're double, getting somewhere. Double meaning. Let's be back in touch on that, all right? Yeah. We'll, we'll come back around. We'll loop back. Let's talk about it. Great chatting with you today, Jalen. Right, uh, thank you. Always appreciate it. Nothing but, but the best to you. Appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks.